so we've sent out a note to all of you to let you know that this morning we've invited three of our folks to share a bit of their journey and to just share with us uh, a little bit about how it is that God has been speaking in their life, calling them to this particular point. And so Chris Johnston shared last week at our uh, alumni and friends dinner that we had, uh, that was in connection with Simpson Week, and I thought many of you would benefit from hearing his story. So we have three this morning. Um, we have Chris, and then we're going to, uh, following that, we're going to sing again, and Grace Khan is going to come and share, and also we've invited Steph Robbins to share, so that's kind of our thinking. Welcome. Got a man. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. President, you're welcome. <laughs> hey. Um, so, like, like Harry said, I, I shared last week, so anyone who's heard, this is the exact same thing. So, <laughs> didn't put a ton of, of extra mods into it. Um, so, just wanted to share, share a bit about how I ended up here uh, in the abridged version. Uh, the first sense of a, a call on my life happened about 15 years ago. Um, I was just coming out of high school, working at camp, kind of had that that feeling that was where I was headed. Um, I came up with a whole bunch of excuses for about 15 years not to do that. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of things that happened in there, but that would take an hour, so we're going to kind of skip over that. Uh, there were just times when, when I felt like God wanted me to come into ministry, and my response was always, okay, that's cool. Uh, if you want me to do that, you're going to have to send someone who's going to walk up to me, look me right in the face, and say, hey, Chris, you should probably work in ministry. Seems reasonable. Um, that didn't happen, so I kept doing other things, had better reasons, uh, better ideas in my mind than pursuing that, uh, better locations to live, uh, bigger paychecks, better lifestyle, and so on. So kind of put all that off. I'm going to fast forward to uh, something I forgot about until last week in preparation. Uh, we called it Good News Day at my office. Uh, maybe some of you have Good News Days at your office, but I bet they weren't the same. Um, I had a client coming in, it was my, my largest client, and the good news that day was that they had just passed $10 million in their bank account. Uh, that's not the good news we share, but that's good news for them, because uh, that's a lot of money. Um, like a crazy amount of money. Uh, so I remembered that, and they were happy, I was happy, everyone was happy. It seemed like a pretty good pretty good deal. So if you didn't put it together, I worked in finance. I was an investment banker uh, for one of, the, one of the big banks in Canada. I uh, had a bunch of clients, had a pretty good, pretty good deal. My wife and I had a nice house, nice car, vacations, all that stuff. Uh, pretty good gig if you could get it. Seemed pretty successful to most people uh, looking in at it. Then that was February 20, what year is it? 2015. Uh, in April 2015, uh, I got sick. So not like, well, not like I'm sick now, like I can't hear it at the side of my head. Um, like in the hospital sick, put off work for six months, sick. Uh, the kind of sick that people still ask you about years later. Uh, I'm, I'm good, I'm fine, so you don't have to worry too much about that. You get tired of answering the questions. But what that kind of led to was uh, reassessing some stuff and just going on. My parents came uh, at one point to help my wife help just look after me and transport me and give her a break because having a sick person in your house is exhausting if anyone's ever had to deal with that. Uh, so they came and one day 
had to go to a doctor's appointment in the city. Uh, we were living just outside of Sydney in Cape Breton, so I had to go into Halifax, the city, the real city. Uh, <laughs> um, so my mom said she would drive me, uh, and it was pretty quiet in the car. I wasn't feeling very well. Uh, mom looked over at me just before we went across the causeway and said, Hey, Chris, you should go work in ministry. Oh, my goodness, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I remember thinking in my head, and it's ridiculous to say it out loud, but I will say it again. God, that prayer request expired about ten years ago. Uh, turns out that's not how it works. So uh, I came with excuses not to do that, too. Like a good little boy. Um, within the next couple of days, I started having, having some dreams at night. Uh, it's always interesting to say in a room full of nice Baptist folks. So. Uh, it was just, I would, I'd fall asleep every time I closed my eyes and I'd see myself studying uh, at Acadia. I'd been in the building before because I did the whole day of discovery thing back in like 05. I knew what the building looked like, at least subconsciously. Um, and every time I would fall asleep, I'd see myself studying here. Okay, maybe that's something. I guess he's being pushy about it, so that's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. Uh, so I got some advice from my father-in-law, who's pastor uh, in the area here. said, hey, what, what's the deal? How's this, uh, how's this whole thing go down? He said, well, it's scary, so I recommend you take a little step. Just kind of do something, see how that works out for you. That seems reasonable. So I applied to come to ADC. Uh, it was the, the only choice for me that rhymed. You're welcome. Um, it was, so that's where I saw myself I didn't really think about going anywhere else so, so that's what I did uh, it's like yeah and if it doesn't work out whatever it's only however many dollars it is to apply no big deal um, so so I got in that was easy uh, then well, uh, then the next thing was uh, my wife needed a place to work so as we were applying to come here she was looking around she's a preschool teacher uh has the credentials and such to do so, but there were no preschool jobs in, in the valley, so that wasn't going to work out so well. I signed my acceptance letter, sent it off to Shauna. Uh, later that day, or the next day, there was a posting for a preschool attached to New Orleans Baptist Church. Um, just appeared. Uh, Aaron applied. Uh, got a call the same day, had an interview the next day, and had the job within a week. Okay, so that was pretty obvious. I guess, uh, I guess we're, we're going to keep doing this. I remember at that point, we talked about it and thought, well, we're pretty close to taking that step that you can't go back from. Everything up to there, you can kind of go back from. So, there was another slight problem. We had just bought a house um, in a place where you don't buy houses to flip quickly. Uh, so we had just bought that. The house next to us had been for sale for three years and was still for sale. That was a little scary. Uh, but that was okay, so we figured we had a little bit of money in the bank. We could probably manage that if we had to with Aaron working. Um, so I went in to quit my job, sat in the parking lot for an hour or so, thinking, oh my goodness, what am I doing? This is the silliest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, it's the scariest thing I've done in my life, for sure, because it was I knew what my career... My career path was pretty clear. Uh, this position, next position, next position... I could have pretty much told you how much I would have made and where I would have been working every year for the rest of my, rest of my career. Um, so I went in, 
my boss was confused, to say the least. Uh, you're doing what? You're, you're leaving this to do what? He's like, yeah, it's confusing. I don't know. Don't, like, don't talk to me too much about it. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm just doing it. Let's just do it. Uh, so I did that. Um, came to about September of 2015. I was scheduled to start here in a few days. Uh, we were just getting ready to list our house because we had kind of gone through all those other processes. Um, met with the real estate agent. He was optimistic. That's his job, to be optimistic. You can sell your house, of course. Uh, but it will probably take some time. You know, this is Cape Breton, right? We're going we're gonna to wait. Okay, fine. Um, we met over the, the long weekend, Labor Day weekend. Signed the deal to, to list it. That was on a Saturday. Got posted on Tuesday. Had a signed offer uh, on Thursday that we accepted for the asking price. And it closed on the 16th of September. Which is convenient, because we had an empty house, seven hours away. Uh, looked like God was providing again. Uh, and I remember when I first went to list it, I was like, listen, I just want to list it for what I owe on the mortgage so I don't have to deal with it. He said, you know, you did a little bit of work here. I think we can probably make you some money on this. Okay, you're crazy, but let's do it. And he, we did, and that's what we got for it, which was able to pay for most of my most of my education, like most of my first year tuition, which was pretty great. So God just wrote me a check to come to school. Um, tried to get a student loan for the rest. Apparently you can't do that if you quit a really good job. They assume you have, <laughs> they assume you have a lot of money. Uh, I said at the ADC bank, but I didn't have a, a savings account that was designated just in case I decided to quit my job and go do something uh, as radical as come to Divinity College and live in a basement somewhere. So, uh, luckily, ADC, uh, luckily, whatever, I was blessed by the ADC bursary program, and uh, that helped me cover the rest, and then here we are. So, I ended up here two years ago, and it was great, and it is great, and I love it, and I get to hang out with you guys, and get to play guitar, and there's all kinds of ways to, to kind of help survive. Erin uh, loves her job more than any job she's had before at other preschools, which is a total blessing for us. Uh, the the thing is, and I always have to say this with with honesty and as much as as much humility as I can. I there are days. Last week was a big a big time where I was like, you know, I kind of wish I for a second I might not have done that because I could have just went somewhere warm. Uh, when you can just call someone and get on a plane and go somewhere warm during a blizzard, that's pretty great. Uh, I was here <laughs> last week. <laughs> Both was great, but whatever. Um, so I was, at the time when I was making the decision to, to come here, uh, the Lord just had me reading Philippians all the time. All the time. And uh, I realized what that was all about. Paul talks about, oh, I did this, and this was great, and I had this, and this was awesome, and I did that, and it was good, and it was good, and I'm better than you, and I'm better than everybody, and I did all this stuff. It's all, and I love it, it's all rubbish compared to that I might gain Christ. So, uh, there are days when I, it's like, oh man, stupid Christ. <laughs> but I know that it's, everything I gave up, uh, nice things, nice trips, was all rubbish uh, to be here with you that I might serve Christ in the way that I've been called to, whatever that is, as we try to figure it out. Um, but I was called to the Divinity College, and here I am. So that's the, the really short version of those two years of my life, or that six months of my life, really. 
Um, they asked me to, to sing a song, to sing a song, to lead a song. Uh, can't even hear. So I picked uh, an old song, Ish. Uh, it's Blessed Be Your Name, which uh, was for some reason at other points in my life when I kind of didn't want to pick up my guitar or didn't want to lead the church or anything. It was always what I was drawn back to when bad things would happen or whatever. I just start playing it. Uh, so usually it just comes to me. And it says, uh, like when streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name, when I walk through the wilderness, when things are good, when things are bad. Uh, I've had plenty and I've had a little, but I, I thank God for everything I have. So we're going to stand together. And I'm sure there's at least one part of the song everyone can relate to. Bless your name.
Radio Toronto. Yes. <laughs> Tell us a little bit, Chris, about yourself and your call. So, I'm from Toronto. They call me immigrant because it's different. But just different. But, um, so, as um, Keith asked me, oh, can you share it tomorrow? I'm like, tomorrow is Let's go to Stephanie. 
him and they they abandoned him. So God had like call you and they were in the whole beautiful please read it was it was oh my bad the American was toxic to create a word of her mom. I went to um, a prayer house near Toronto and it took me three days. First of I asked it for three days. I said, God, it's seminary, it's orange. And then I realized I wanted to do this all along. So I come back, I have a mentor in not that I called, said I'm going to apply to work. You're not the only one. Sorry. So, I went to work and they got me happy. It was already April, and God says, that's not the school we need to go. And I already paid my room deposits, my school deposits. I said, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> God's mom God. Somebody introduced me to a kid here. He's like, you should really apply there. I'm like, no, I already paid the deposit. I'm going to Saskatchewan. I hate my debit. I'm like, I'm being busy. I'm going to Saskatchewan. And I just applied to a kid. No, like what was the point? You made me apply to broadcast and I got in, it's all happy and no, this just does not make sense. That's just a So I applied to Acadia. I've never even heard of Acadia. Ah, <laughs> 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 so I applied to Acadia and I heard from Sean and I got in. The first thing I do is sell you know, a kid, yeah, Starbucks. He didn't have Starbucks, not that. <laughs> <laughs> so, long story short, I got here. And I got here, it was, it was the worst winter I've ever had. It was, <laughs> the community was good, but coming from a big city, it was, it was hard. It was a hard winter. And my God, I need you to make it clear that I'm supposed to be here, or else I'm leaving. I, I told him that I was sick out with her, and those who know, I was lonely, and I was wish I was my thing. My God, I miss her. Why am I here? Am I really gonna be? The past is not this quick. I had a job. My boss was, you know, can come back any time. I still ministry who left on me time. I could just go back as if nothing happened. One day, I was, I was living in a restaurant, ate a meal. I was always eating for myself and this housemate comes and sits down with me. I'm like, hey, hey, man, send you around, whatever. He's like, oh, what are you studying? I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm studying theology. And he's like, oh, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's study of 
God. Like, so, are you going to be a pastor? Not many people, not many non-Christians, you know what? We're priests. Well, I'm like, yes, that's what I'm hoping to. And he's like, but you're a female and you have civil policy.
who you are, and we don't often have staff in our community on a regular basis because she's in Metro, and I've come to know her through some of those courses, and now today you're going to get to know a little bit about her. So, yes. so yesterday when Dr. McNally came to me and asked me to speak today, I felt very much the same way as Grace. And I was like, oh no, is he going to have his little evaluation? <laughs> so I said, no evaluations today. But all I could hear in my head was, land the plane, Steph, land the plane. <laughs> so I'm going to land the plane for five minutes. But my name is Steph Robbins, and I'm from Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I uh, usually attend the campus virtually or through the final. Uh, student, or sorry, classes that they hold in HRN. So I've actually been an MD student for like four years because I'm doing it part time, not full time. And so I'm not on campus often, just rarely. So this is I am. So uh, my story is a little bit different than most people. Most of you sitting here, you probably heard God's call in your life, and your story was okay, well, that means I go to seminary and I become a pastor or whatever. For me, I was 17 and a female in a fundamentalist denomination. So that took on a whole new different call. How do I answer this call? And in my mind, that meant I had two options. I could be a missionary, single or married, or I could be a pastor's wife. That was the only two options I had to walk in my call. And I knew I was called, but that was the way I perceived in my head for the only two days. And the verse I want to share with you this morning is one that is not foreign to you. But it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it became my northern star. It was trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding, but acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And I've had to revisit that verse many, many times over the last 17 years as I've worked out that call. So the first thing I thought was, well, I have to go to Bible school, right? Because if I'm going to find a missionary or a pastor, I better go where I can find them. <laughs> and since I was a fisherman's daughter, I knew that I had to go somewhere to catch the fish. So that's what I did. I went and enrolled into this huge fundamentalist university in the States. So uh, that's a story in itself. This little girl from rural Nova Scotia goes all the way to Greenville, South Carolina to go to school. I was very scared. But I also knew, as I drove up to the door, I heard God in my heart say, this is where I want you to be. And I fully embraced those four years, and I learned all I could learn, and I became very good at studying scripture and falling in love with his word. And it gave me a solid biblical foundation in his word. But after four years, haha, I was the statistic that came out of school without an MRS degree. And I need to backtrack a little bit because it wasn't my sole intention. <laughs> because I grew up in a fishing village and nobody in my community went past high school. They all got married and stayed at home. But since I was a little girl, there was this desire in my heart to go to university, to do life differently, to be an independent woman who does what God wants her to do. And so that's why I went to this university, because 
I was a writer, and I wanted to take creative writing, and this course offered that, and that's what I took. So I need to add that, so you don't think that I went as a desperate woman. To <laughs> but after the four years, when I came out and I didn't have that, I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? Because in my mind, that was the only way he could unfold that mission, or that call in my life. So I had to trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. At the same time, I was struggling with gifts that God had given me that my denomination clearly told me were not my gifts. Mm. So I, God and I were in this turmoil of me trying to love him and me trying to trust him and say, well, you've clearly given me these gifts and abilities, but yet I'm not supposed to use them, or I can only use them in this area. So there's this turmoil, and in the end, I end up walking away from God for five years doing my own thing. And, but God never walks away from us. And when he has a call on your life, he will do whatever he needs to to pursue you. You have a say in it, but he will pursue you. So my mom said, hey, I want you to come to family camp with me. And I did not want to go to family camp. Because I had been the Christian girl who had all these expectations, and I dropped those expectations, and I broke people's expectations. And I didn't come back and be that good girl. I became the fallen girl. And I didn't want to go there. But my mom, she prayed me there, and I went. And at the time, God met me there. And he reminded me, I have called you, Steph. I love you. You cannot overrun me. And I thought, God, it's too far for me to go back. And he's like, no, no, you never have to go back. You went on your own path, and my path is right alongside you. You just have to take a step over and get back onto my path with me. I've never stopped pursuing you. And I did that. And the very next day, in a, it was a woman's session, the speaker was there, and all of a sudden, she was no longer there. And the heavens opened up, and God said, I want you to speak and teach for me. And I'm like, Lord, I don't even know how that's possible. Number one, I'm married to a non-believer. Number two, I have a 20-month-old, and I'm expecting about to give birth to my second child. How is this ever going to be possible? But I had a grandfather who taught me that when God tells you to do something... You are tenacious in how you follow that obedience. And I became tenacious. Tenacious. So I went to the leadership of my church, and I asked them if I could teach in the women's Bible study, because again, that's all that I could think, was that was how I was going to unfold this. And they were like, no, we have all the people that we need. And you know, some of these people have been teaching for like 25 years, and nobody was willing to make room for somebody younger, and uh, I could assist, and I did. I assisted some of the other women in the, in the Bible study, but still in my heart there was this, there's more than this. God wants me to do more than this. And then I had to realize, trusting in the Lord, and leaning not in my own understanding, meant that he was going to unfold a call in my life in a way I couldn't even possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. So when he said to me, I want you to go outside the church, and I had to go outside the church to be obedient to God's call in my life. I don't recommend that, but that's my, this is my unique story. So with me and a team of women, 
we launched a women's ministry with six women at a Sobeys community room in Halifax because we knew God had called us to come alongside and equip and teach women. And over the next 10 years, I saw that grow into 100 women once a month from different denominations coming together, being equipped, learning God's word, and being sent back to their churches. And out of that came a one-day girls, teen girl conference called Dare to Be, where we impacted teens, girls, in our community for the next five years. Because we trusted in the Lord, we leaned not in our own understanding, we acknowledged Him, and He directed our path. All that to say, for me, I was still on that. I had to teach women. had to teach women. But God was opening doors where I was stepping on the platforms and into churches to preach, and I was still calling myself a teacher. And it has been a struggle for me to accept the gifts that God has given me. But He is so relentless in His love for you. He gives you what you can handle, but then He stretches you. Take this stretch. Take this leap. And trusting him and leaning into him, I had to realize that my gifts that he's given me, they're about him. They're not about my gender. They're about the gifts that he gave to me. And it's my responsibility to be willing to use them wherever he opens the door. Amen. And he gives the power. And he gives, he gives, he turns the impossible into possible. And over those last few years, I'm telling you, my team-building skills, my vision-casting skills, my risk-taking skills, because I'm an introvert and shy naturally, they grew leaps and bounds. Leaps and bounds. And I saw God work in a way that you couldn't possibly imagine. We had conferences where we needed to have 20 girls to even break even. 20 girls to break even. And on the Wednesday before the Saturday that it would happen, we had 10. And I, as a leader and as a team, we'd have to decide, are we going to push forth or are we going to cancel this thing? And every time, be no step. We're pushing forth, we're pushing forth. And on Friday night at 12 o'clock, you would get 15 registrations. Because that's no discussion, everybody's <laughs> 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 So many times we saw that, but my encouragement to you is to keep this verse in front of you. Because there's three things I want you to remember. Hold your fist tightly over the fact that he has called you to be something, not do something. First and foremost, he's called you to be his disciple. And you hold closely to that, and you guard that. Because you can't trust him you can't lean into him, you can't acknowledge him, and you can't be directed by him if you're not leaning into him and attached to him and learning to hear your shepherd's voice above all the other voices in your life. And believe me, they will speak. They will speak. People will tell you you're not called. You can't use these gifts, but you have to tune your ear to the shepherd and follow him. My grandfather's voice was, if you're if God's asking you to do something that's not contrary to the word, you do it. You do it. And that rings through my heart and through my life for the last few years. So hold your fist tightly over being his disciple first. Not what to do, but be. Because your view has to come out of that. That's right. Your leadership has to come out of that. Because when the decisions are there, 
and your team is looking at you, you have to be, you have to take lead. And you have to lead them through some troublesome waters, but you have to know that God is calling you to do that, to step out of that. Secondly, hang on to your, the fact that God called you uniquely. Right? Uniquely. You may be called to be a pastor, but you're not called to be the pastor that you're perceiving or the pastor that your dad was. Or he might call you to lead a parachurch ministry. He's not calling you to be the same person that was before you. He's calling you to be you. That's right. And you have to let him work that out in your life and how that looks in your life. Not only that, you have to encourage the people that you're leading. Hey, be, don't put God in a box. Don't put God in a box. Take risk. If God's telling you to do something and you have people that are your mentors and they're saying, yes, go for it, then go for it. Don't put the people in, underneath you in a box and say, well, you know, God's calling you, then that means you're going into ministry in this way. It has to look like this. If we did that, we wouldn't have the countless parachurch ministries that are impacting the world. So close your fist on being a disciple. Close your fist on your call because people will tell you you're not called. Circumstances will mm-hmm. make you doubt your call. Mm-hmm. But in those times, trust the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. <coughs> Keep your fist open on how He unfolds that in your life. Because it will be reshaped, it will be refined, it will be maybe even changed over the years. And you have to be open to that. Open to that. So trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. And all I ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. And I can guarantee that you will be amazed. You will be amazed at how God will use you to impact those around you. They might never, ever remember your name. But the impact, that's my desire. I don't care if people remember my name, but I want the impact to be felt for generations we're going through. And I know that's your desire as well. Trust in you.